Hey, Christine. Hey, Fernand. Uh, welcome to my podcast. Uh, so getting into it, there's something you talk... So you talk about a lot of different things on Twitter. Something you haven't talked much about is climbing. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could tell me more about climbing, your relationship to it, and what you think about it. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that climbing was like my big community before I stumbled across Teapot. It was, it's really wholesome. And I joined when I was a lot younger. So um, I want to say like 2008 or so. And back then climbing was just like a really niche sport. No one really did it. Um, And I moved around a lot as a kid. So um, I used to be into gymnastics and skiing. But when we went to Ohio, I didn't really have like a chance to do those as easily as in Colorado. Um, And so I stumbled across a climbing gym. I like literally Googled like rock climbing near me. And there was um, a climbing gym in this like abandoned warehouse in the middle of Cincinnati. And I like roll up with my mom and it's like this dark, dingy, chalky gym full of like shirtless dudes doing one arm pull ups. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's like a it's really grown in popularity now. Um, Everyone that I mean, in like the Bay Area, New York, everywhere, there's like tons of climbing gyms. Um, And I really grew up climbing like that was like my home because I moved around a lot. and I found this like consistent community through the climbers. Um, yeah, and because it was so small, like the same few hundred people knew each other, even if you moved states. So that was um, a big like home for me. Um, but I, I became injured and that's why I am now very online. <laughs> so Yeah, how would you compare? <laughs> How, how is that gap in between climbing and Twitter because of the injury? Um, the gap as in like the difference in communities between, or? Between communities. It sounds like, I remember one thing you mentioned to me before was once you had your injury, you just couldn't really go anymore. And mm-hmm. yeah, how what was that like? Yeah, I mean, it's really sad because... Um, the climbing gym is such a solid third space. Um, so if you're not like, let's say you're, you moved to a new city and you don't really have friends to make, you can go to the climbing gym and like, it's not like you have to make plans with anyone. You can just show up and like hang out and like exercise, you know, you can like try these problems. Um, and it's really casual. So you might just like see someone next to you and start a conversation. And like that used to be a really, um, that used to be like an easy way to make friends and socialize. But the problem is that oftentimes those friends are ones that you have a specific bond. Like it's like a shared activity of rock climbing. And so if you're injured, then you're not going to the climbing gym and you're not seeing them. You're no longer in the third space. And like, it's just um, like, it takes a certain amount of um, like bonding before you hang out outside of the climbing gym. Whereas with Twitter, Um, even if we're not hanging out in person, there's always like an app on your phone and that it feels similar of just being casually in the same space. And how else has that community been, or I guess that sense of community, how do you compare it or is it kind of fit the same niche for you or fit the same role in your life? Um, 
it's different. It's different. I think that when I look at communities, I look or like even like activities, I look for ones that uh, cover multiple bases. So climbing was like not only social. I mean, for me, the core of climbing was like I love the actual movement and the feeling and the mental like process of climbing. Um, I feel like very rejuvenated by the actual flow that you get into and it's like i've described like therapy like you can work through your emotions you um yeah it like makes me feel really like alive um so it brings me that so it feels like there's like a spirit like a psychological or like spiritual aspect to it um and then also uh it's good exercise like you're moving your body it gets you out of the house. So there's also a social aspect. You make friends. And then there's also um, like an outdoor aspect. So you get to go on these really cool traveling, like you go across the world and like you get to find yourself in like the middle of nowhere with a bunch of locals. And like there was that adventurous side too. Um, so climbing, yeah, you, you would like, you, you, yeah. you were like, you were like, we're really into climbing. You like travel. Yeah. And just, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like so like, because I started when it was earlier, like, um, it was just more of a norm. Like you all, you're like, of course you go outside. That's like, kind of, it was like, especially, uh, that like gym climbing used to be like made fun of because it was like practice climbing because you're trying to go outdoors and everyone's like, well, why would you go in the gym when you can go outdoors? It's so much more beautiful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely more accessible. And now gym climbing has like exploded. Um, but yeah. Because it's, got, I started... it's become its own meme. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like I mean, Bay, now it's like, it's a, it's a sport of its own. Like, it's in the Olympics, you know, right. like speed climbing. There's like so much. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like, um, yeah, cool. it's it's grown. It's not just training for outdoor climbing now. It is uh, its own. It's taken on its own culture. Um, for sure. Yeah. Now, going into the internet, how did your relationship with Twitter start? What what got you into this uh, very <laughs> online community? <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, it looked like my... Yeah, go for it, go for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so I was on Twitter briefly, I want to say like 2016 or so, but it was mostly looking at jokes and I was consuming like just tweets. Um, I wasn't posting. I also was very lightly in like design Twitter because I was becoming a designer. Um, so kind of looking around that space, but didn't really find, I definitely wasn't posting. I definitely like didn't find my feed that insightful or interesting. Um, I actually got into it through uh, my boyfriend Brian, who showed me Visa's ebook um, and like a few tweets, and I thought it was it was so cool because I think that I am one. I was already like tweeting before I joined Twitter. Like I was like <laughs> I was like journaling in my uh, off days from climbing. Like oh, like here's my thoughts on this thing and here are my thoughts on that thing. And they were almost like tweet form. Like they were like short snippets, but I wasn't using Twitter for it. Um, so that was one side of it. I really liked Visa's writing. And then uh, my therapist also got me into Twitter partially because um, 
I had tried CBT and it wasn't working at all for me. And she was like, oh, what if you like looked that into IFS, internal family systems? And she walked me through a guided meditation and I was like sold. I was like, oh, like this makes sense to me. This feels right. Like I just really um, took to the idea. And then I saw Visa and Nick Camerata tweeting back and forth about how they speak to their parts in IFS. And that like really sold me. Um, that was the second part. And the third part was probably Toshin had a really awesome article on how to use Twitter well, what to do, how to get set up. Um, and so I followed those and also a handful of accounts that Brian recommended. And between all of that, I just, I really launched on, I was like, I want to talk about IFS. Like who's out there to talk yeah. about IFS with me? Um, yeah. For sure. That's how I, that's how I found your like Twitter presence. I was like, Oh, this yeah. is how I talk about IFS. That's cool. Yeah. yeah it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. You I, were I like big. <laughs> You were, you were like pivotal in my, not like my getting on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird looking back at that, but it's interesting because I think there are these like small interactions that actually can lead to like some pretty big stuff. Like, yeah. like if, let's say Tasha never posted the article or Nick and Visa never had that conversation. There's a real mm -hmm. chance you like wouldn't have started using it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, especially because I, I was just jumped on and like, very much because I was so excited about IFS, I just started like being like, who's talking about this? How do I find these people? But um, you were the first person who was like a real person that uh, talked to me on Twitter, was like, hey, let's video chat. Let's talk about this. Like, um, you know, like reached out like a friend. And I was like, so taken aback. I was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is the thing I'm good at. Yeah. And also just like, I just don't even think about it. I kind of just assume, especially with Twitter, once like a mutual to someone, it's like, oh, I can just probably DM them. It's like definitely fine. Yeah. And yeah. It's really weird. I, uh, I, I think like way back in ninth grade, I read um, How to Win Friends and Influence People or something. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. as much as I don't want to admit it, I'm pretty sure it probably left some deep impression of my psyche. So I was like an extremely antisocial middle schooler. Whoa, no <laughs> way. I think I read the oh thing. My God. Oh yeah, I had like zero friends uh like sixth like up up until like sixth or seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And then every year it kind of became like a like a just like a like a just boom boom boom. Wow. Um but I think in eighth or ninth grade I read how to win friends and influence people and the the line of like assume rapport just mm -hmm. like kind of stuck with me. And I was like, oh you can just pretend they're your friends already and you just lose the yeah the i mean you made me feel very comfortable like while doing this and that it was like my first person that i had truly interacted with at any like real depth and i was like you just made it seem really natural so i was like okay yeah let's let's like talk <laughs> yeah so nice <laughs> nice i'm glad yeah uh i'm thrown off what was i gonna say um, we're talking about Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then also, so yeah, yeah. So IFS. So what was the difference between CBT and IFS for you? Like when you're working with your therapist with CBT, what did that feel like versus how IFS kind of was for Yeah. You? CBT felt like homework. It was a lot of homework. I had these, and it wasn't bad. Like I actually think early on I um, – Early on, I had like sort of screenshotted a 
list of prompts from CBT that I actually found helpful. Um, and it just had like all these different ways that you could be framing your thoughts or like different like thinking traps of like, oh, are you like catastrophizing or are you like thinking of it in from a specific um, context only, you know, like, and I found that useful. Um, CBT was also, it felt very prescriptive, like, okay, here is this thought you have in your head. What is the evidence for this thought? What is the counter evidence for this thought? How might you like reframe this thought, you know? Um, and, and I was like going through typing in. Yeah. Well, I was like writing the, I, I, I was very like diligent. I like went and I wrote out all of the evidence and I wrote, and it was like helpful, but it just didn't feel as natural. Um, whereas IFS, it, it's like, it feels more emotional. It feels more um, like, it feels like actual progress, like tangible. It feels like something has moved inside of myself, which I don't mm. think I felt with CBT. With CBT, it was like, very top down. Um, IFS just felt like I accessed it at a certain, like a depth below that, and that it actually, it just feels different. And like, um, mm. and it feels better. Like it just feels like con more like a, a like an actual concrete step forward instead of previously. I felt like I was just kind of like oh coming back and like restructuring restructuring restru and like it works but it just felt like less intuitive um i also really like the somatic ifsi where it's like more in your body so um yeah I, I totally yeah i think this idea of like top down versus shift or movement is a big thing that i think a lot of people in our circles talk about and get but it's interesting because a lot of people who aren't who are just kind of new to it don't really get what that means um curious what your take is on how you describe describe that or describe it maybe in a different way or what it feels like to someone who just doesn't instantly kind of get it from just like hearing those words yeah i guess i would describe it as like um let's say you're dancing and some top down would be like you memorize the choreography and you're like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to move my hand this way and then I'm going to twirl and I'm going to do this. Um, maybe even thinking about like the manuscript of the music, like, oh, like at the fourth beat, I'm going to like stop my foot. Um, whereas the more embodied version would be like, um, kind of all of that goes out the window and you're just sort of like, feeling the music and moving however you feel like um based on like your connection to the emotions <laughs> it's like a little hard to describe yeah, um, more slow. yeah like it's i guess you move without thinking like it is something that is i think i had i was like playing around and tweeting recently about like my body having a mind of its own but like if your body were to just do its own thing and your mind like, you know, was shut off, like that would be how it feels to me to like dance um, from a bottom up approach as opposed to like memorizing the moves. Right. Yeah. So. Right. And I think uh, it's interesting because I think what that brings to mind for me is, is like the smooth brain meme. It's like smooth brain mode, you know, mm -hmm. or uh, I think a lot of yeah. people also maybe have a fear of like, what? Not thinking, especially yeah. the hyper-rationalist. 
I oh my god okay this reminds me of um there's a chapter in impro by keith johnstone where it's like like part i don't know probably like a core aspect of the impro like approach the improvisational approach is that um you act before you think so i feel like we're always taught oh think before you act think before you act because there's all these like consequences that can come up if you're you know being thoughtless um and impro is saying that we've gone too far in that direction and there's actually a lot of leeway between your th like you can act before you think in a lot more situations and actually have a lot of interesting and magical things come up that you haven't you know you've probably canceled them out because you've been taught like oh you can't like there's so many like restrictions um but yeah that's actually that was actually really helpful for me while reading impro is like oh like especially situations where you're like put on the spot or like you know like you're like oh like say something or sing whatever like those like more spontaneous moments the way to do it is to just like move your body, like just like follow, like do anything. Um, and mm. you'll often find that in the act, like there's like a split second of while you're acting that suddenly everything snaps into place and you like actually do something that like it all starts. But if you don't just act without thinking, um, nothing, nothing happens. Yeah, it sounds like that uh, kind of the middle way or the A. Lamau meme with the boat mm -hmm. and stuff. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, and it's, it, or, or kind of the midwit meme. Like, they're all kind of pointing at the same thing of just like these two poles mm -hmm. that the synthesis is, or, you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. It's like, it's a mix, it's a mix of both. Um, or yeah. even yin yang. Like, all these things kind of point at the same type of vibe, uh, is, is my whole sense. Mm hmm. It's all balance. What about <laughs> yeah? And what about um? So with with IFS, do you feel like that meshed well with your journaling, or did your journaling yeah. change when you got more into IFS? Yeah, I mean, okay, so it's funny because I want to say in high school, or even like partly partway through college, I was like, I'm not a journaler. Like, I just can't do it. Like, I don't. I'm not consistent. Like, there's. I'm. It's just not for me. Um, but then my friend got me this like one line a day journal. And so all you do is write one line a day in it. And like on each page, it says like, June 14th, 2000, and whatever, and then like the next year, the next year, next year. And I was just doing this one line a day journal kind of casually. Um, but suddenly I noticed like I was following the exact same trends every year like I would fall into a certain pit at a certain time of year I would like start a new like relationship at a certain time of year and I would go through the same thoughts and the same motions and I was like repeating myself and I was like oh like cool. the what is going and that was kind of the one of the starts of like me get really liking journaling um and then I went traveling for climbing and like then I had a travel journal because I wanted to capture the time of my life um and I also got into drawing. So like I had a long past with journaling. Um, I have like stacks and stacks of journals. Yeah. What was the time scale it took for you to kind of see that pattern? Because I think when you meant you mentioned like over the course of years, it sounds like, or is it was it like a few months or what, what was that like? 
Uh, honestly, the first part was slow. I mean, all of the things I'm describing, like climbing, I did for like two years before I got really addicted and like journaling probably like probably two years or something. And I was like, I, I actually had an early thread about this of like how finding your passion or finding things that you want to be like a lifer at, like it is really about following your curiosity. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it takes, it can take a long time. And like, so it's very important that you're consistently curious or interested in this like little tiny thing. Then it keeps you coming back yeah. because sometimes it takes a long time. It, it does like, and you don't even realize it. Like I didn't, I wasn't like, I want to get into journaling and I'm going to journal, you know, I was just like, Oh, I have this journal that my friend got me. I'll casually like do it. Yeah, exactly. And like, same with um, climbing. Like I was just looking for like a, Thing to do i thought it was kind of cool i wasn't like i was just like oh i was i think i thought like the people were a little like strange at first but i was like oh it's, <laughs> it's interesting like i'm gonna keep going i thought nice. it was like a very different context in my high school um and yeah it's just like because you're continually curious and you keep going back suddenly you're like whoa, like this has built up. I have two years of journaling down. I can see the themes and then it like really compounds. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's interesting it to hear. <laughs> yeah. yeah this, and the fact that it took two years before you got addicted to it or before it became like a thing you wanted to do more often. Mm -hmm. Like I, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I kind of, I share that with, uh, I'm learning Chinese and I said, I'd say the first yeah. year of learning Chinese, I just didn't really do it much. Um, yeah or I, it was it was in my mind for two years then i actually started doing it yeah diligence even meditation like i was kind of loosely into it for like mm -hmm. three or four years um yeah but it took me it took a while for it to like really catch and it was only in the last three years that it like has become like a giant thing yeah yeah and then, yeah, it's like, kind of interesting you... and, and the... go, go ahead. ahead no you go yeah I just there's like a ton of things like that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like there's a while for your curiosity to just be sort of like incubating and then you so suddenly like you almost have to not realize it's happening and then it starts to catch and you have these like increments of progress and then you and then your awareness shifts in and you're like, oh, like I made some progress here. And then uh, by that time, you've sort of like probably made some friends or like you've like built up different like a little system around it and that's when it really starts to roll um and i guess tying it back to what i was saying earlier about like the communities that cover multiple bases um i feel like when they do that you get a really good system going and then you can actually be like some like committed to this activity or community or something at like a deeper level um like, I definitely still consider myself a climber. Like, I think that's like a lifetime hobby or passion of mine, um, even though I've been out for like three years. <laughs> but, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I feel like in some ways, you know, a lot of people, especially post-college, talk about how it's really hard to make friends in adult life. And it kind of mm -hmm. is, right? It can be really yeah. difficult. But I would say it's like, it's easiest when you can just join a cult. And I mean yeah. that metaphorically, not like a little cult. But like, yeah. <laughs> if you could just find something that feels like, it's like a culture or an organization or like a system or a thing that just draws you in. And it, 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 it's, it's, it's weird. Cause it's like on what it's, it's, you're, you're kind of towing a line. You want to balance it. You don't want mm -hmm. it to like totally consume you. And you want it to be really interesting. You want it to be super fun, exciting. Um, yeah. I mean, be somewhat people... context agnostic. 
Yeah, I mean, um, like people talk about how religion is that for a lot of people, and that's why. Say, it's yeah. Like return, return to church. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like so, church is a great example of a community that covers a bunch of your needs or like different bases from different yeah. angles. Um, I think teapot is interesting. It covers like socializing. Um, it definitely feeds a part of myself that I wasn't getting enough of in the climbing community, which is like, I want to say like the more intellectually curious side of like everyone is, has these ideas, everyone's creating things or they're writing. They have like the whole like building in public. I mean, Visa has a whole set of norms that I think encourages this. And like that, I think the creation aspect was pretty much consumed by like rock climbing, you know? <laughs> and so there's like, it, totally. that's like a big shift. Um, and I love it. I, I think it's like really awesome to be surrounded by people yeah. who have curiosity and interest. So. And, and I feel like you are a really, you're like a integral uh, part of the creating process in the sense, like, I, I feel like every week or two you do something that's like, like, it's like not lost in the ether in the sense that you do a good job of catching it and documenting it. Mm. Um, like you have your thread of your favorite things and thread of threads and, or you have oh. your Google Doc <laughs> thread. Not many people yeah. have Google Doc. I, I think it's smart to do stuff outside of the Twitter format, especially if like, you know, it's, it's a uh, December, 2022. If uh, Twitter goes from 280 characters to 4,000, that might be the death of it. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot yeah. of my documented things are links to tweets, but a few of them I have like actually right. transferred. Yeah, to Google Docs. So. But you, you, but even links to tweets, having them like on something that's easily is easy to send. Um, and I think mm -hmm. it's like, a, and and I think it's easier to navigate than like a thread of threads kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was just like. <laughs> I began using Twitter very much like for my own curiosity, right? I was like, oh, I want to talk to people yeah. about IFS. And then I came across some like really funny tweets and I was like, this is great. But then I couldn't get back to my own thread. So that's how the Google Doc started. I just wanted to like see them all so I can easily bookmark. Um, and I, the Twitter like bookmarks feature just doesn't do it for me. So um, yeah. The, I'm sense. a big fan of using like Google Docs and um, <laughs> I'm like a Google Docs and like Notes app person. <laughs> nice. Spread, the, like, the yeah. Essentials. yeah. <laughs> Which is good. I think, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, I tend to be one of those people caught up in tools. It's like, oh, how's this PKM versus that PKM? And I end up just not really yeah. using much of it. Um, yeah. But it's, 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 it's something I've been learning and leading into is just do the thing you need to do to solve your problem. And that'll kind of stuff yeah large. i got burned by evernote i i once had mm. a sprawling second brain of sorts in college on evernote and then i think they like changed their subscription plan and i was like out of evernote <laughs> and ever since then i've just been wow. like, oh yeah <laughs> like i'm not At going to sink you... my put my eggs into a basket like that again <laughs> Were you into, was it specifically like BASB, like Tiago Forte stuff? Or was it just kind of your own? No, it was just like a bunch of stuff that I had collected. Because, you know, I like to collect all kinds of stuff, you know. So it was totally. just. Um... Yeah, I feel like, I, I feel like you, 
we both like to collect things. I think I just collect them in my head. <laughs> so and it comes out in conversation, which is uh, far less, which has far less utility than having it on like an actual artifact. Uh, speaking of yeah. which, one of the artifacts, one of the artifacts that you made that I think is really cool is your life timeline. And mm. uh, going back to the church thing, you mentioned <laughs> it's like there's like some part in your life timeline. It's just like Google Sheet of like. Of like a timeline kind of thing, and it's a really cool thing. I, I, I'll probably try to link to it or something in the in the show notes. Uh, but but it, it's, at some point, you became atheistic, and then recently, in like this year, it said you became agnostic. So curious how that lands with you. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think I was agnostic. I was raised atheist, but then I was like, no, I'm agnostic. Um, just because I didn't feel sure about there not being anything. But I went to like a religious, you know, like religiously affiliated university. Um, and I took a few like theology classes. And um, I think that it was just like, it felt very clear to me that when we like that, it was like obvious that there's nothing after like we just it, it felt nice. like clearly um you know we we like return to dirt and like i don't know where all this like extra faith and whatnot was coming from uh and then i went on a rock climbing it was like a traveling thing and i think i was just like so struck by um one of the nights that I was out, I was like, uh, we were climbing at night and the way the universe was almost like spiraling around us. I was like so struck by it that I had, I felt like this first inkling of like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not so like sure about there not being anything. Um, and I think just, it, it, this is still, I wouldn't say I have like an extremely strong stance on either of these, but it does feel like I'm moving more back towards like um, being agnostic than atheist. So, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And it's, it sounds like you, that was like kind of a taste of like noetic or the mystical or the transcendental or something mm -hmm. like that. Is that I, would you describe it that way? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's certain pivotal moments in my life where I feel very struck by certain messages. Like it feels like, um, like the muse or like the larger self, it's like very present. Like it's extremely viscerally there. Um, and like, those are the moments where I'm just like, oh, wow. Like maybe there's like uh, yeah. something here there. And like, I also have those, not just with like uh, a larger presence, but like with certain values, like I have like values that I hold in my life and I'm like, oh, like this feels like a moment where I actually um, have crystallized a principle or like a way of living. And like, I, I hold that. And like journaling helps me actually like, like write it down and feel like I actually um, remember this and can come back to it and revisit it and revise it over time and see if I still believe that. But like, it usually does come from like a moment in my life where I'm like, oh, like either struck by like beauty or like some experience happens and yeah. So. What are some of your values? Um, 
yeah, <laughs> there's a lot. I value kindness. Um, I value, so one that came to me was that I value beauty, which I did not as growing up. <laughs> but there is like mm -hmm. a moment in my travels where I was so struck by like this, the night, the same moment that I was talking about where I was like, oh, maybe there is something there where, um, yeah, just like the stars, I was in South Africa um, and they were so, they just really filled me with, with an appreciation. And I was like, okay, I actually do um, now hold this in my life. Um, I value growth, humor. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I have almost like a wall in my head. I have like the stone wall. Sometimes it's a basement, but mostly it's like a stone wall of like values. And I, ha I have really vivid dreams. I have this thread on like all the wild dreams I have, but um, partially in a dream and also just like this um, imagery of like um, this like wall of values. And I will come back occasionally and like hit them and be like, is it still stable? Mm. Um, and based on... And sometimes they like swivel and those are like the times where I'm like, whoa, like my values have changed, like something like the wall looks different now. Um, but typically like once the stone is set, I feel like, oh, this is like a really heavy stone. This is like a value that I hold um, and like I will come back and I'll test it. Um, and I think that's important to do. Like I, it's funny that you asked because I... I've definitely go through cycles where like um, I'll write down like my 10 or 13 values and then I'll like write little sentences, excerpts. Um, and then I come back a few years later because I've have my journals or like just like occasionally we'll flip through my drawings and I'll see it again and I'll be like, oh, do I still value that? Um, I value altruism. Like, I think it's important to be good. <laughs> um, there's like, yeah. So like, there's like a whole list of those. And then I come back and I revisit and I um, try to, there is one point where I try to like measure my life every day against these values, but I, <laughs> that wasn't sustainable. So. It can be a little hard to sustain. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's kind of interesting. One thing that struck me, you are a very visual person. There's a lot of, you have a lot of mental imagery, a lot of dreams, mm -hmm. a lot of vividry. Yeah. Even in your tweets and writing, it's a lot of kind of, it's, it's very picturesque. You can, you can imagine it. I, uh, I am not, <laughs> I have yeah. really <laughs> uh, visual sense of like, like, yeah, it's just not, it doesn't really come to me. Uh, and I'm kind of curious when you do IFS, mm -hmm. you were, you talked a lot about the somatic um parts of it did you was there a kind of um an order or uh a shift in how you do ifs or is it kind of like developed over time as it relates to kind of imagery versus somatic because it sounds like and i ask because some people seem to be more somatic in their ifs and some people seem to be more um imaginal in their ifs yeah um yeah before before i even get into that um i think that the imaginal like thinking and like relating is actually something that I noticed in myself and actually like developed also. So like mm -hmm. you mentioned that you like collecting something like it's like you notice things that 
about like your default mode of operating that they can be hard to notice because it's so like ingrained in you. Um, I didn't realize that I liked collecting certain things or that the way I was like, you know, sometimes you don't even realize, but when you yeah. do notice them, if you like sort of develop it or like lean into it, I think that's what it gets really interesting because um, you're like uniquely positioned to do that. Um, but yeah, for IFS, it actually began much more um, visual. And then I began to notice the somatic sides and I read somatic IFS and then I like really learned more about that aspect of it. Um, I don't think that the somatic side was not there before, but immediately visual. Like one of the first things I did with IFS was I drew out a bunch of parts. Like when I first discovered IFS, it was really wild because <laughs> I met like eight parts or like eight, like eight to like 15 like a ton of parts at once and I was like oh my god like wow. this is so yeah. like interesting and I couldn't contain how excited I was by this so that's why I was like left on the Twitter <laughs> was like what's going yeah. on um yeah and it sounds like so so IFS for you seems to be very character driven is that right mm -hmm. um Yes. Like, yeah. or, or just, or like, what is IFS like for you? Like, how, how, what does it feel like, and what, what is it like? Because I, I, I found that I, I definitely do IFS a bit differently than other people, and it seems like IFS is. I mean, when we say IFS, we're kind of referring to this basket of a bunch of different mm -hmm. somatic type stuff. That yeah, um, I mean, internal family systems is kind of, is kind of the root, but I think everyone kind of adds on their own kind of nuances to it and. It makes mm -hmm. it their own thing over time. So kind of curious, how is, what's yours look like now? Um, and yeah. Yeah, it's really evolved. And it's also, I love Twitter because um, one of my favorite things was like, what is it? What is, what are your internal family members like? You know, like, are they characters? And if so, what kind of characters? Is there a landscape? Is there like um, a feeling? Is there a way they show up? Is it just like these sort of transient you know, senses, or is it a lot more concrete? Um, and people have like all kinds of answers all across the board. I think that it's not uncommon for the characters to feel almost a little bit cartoonish or like childish. I think that the subconscious often is like symbolic. Um, and that's, that's like a thing that can show up. And yeah, it's sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish that things dealing with like your emotions was more complex or not not that it's not complex but like more like intellectually complicated because i'm like oh it's mm. like all it all comes down to love or something like that <laughs> it just feels like right something cheesy like, something <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah but, I feel <laughs> um yeah it's definitely uh I have certain, I have a regular cast for sure. Um, and then, and after the regular cast, I think I have a lot of peripheral, like, you know, less, less regular. Um, and especially with the, the somatic side is really wild to me i think there's a whole other world that's deeper that i haven't accessed yet and it they do live in these like my like what i call like the regular cast 
they're very um, verbal and their presence is much more like they're closer to my subconscious. So if I were to have like inner conflict or things like that, like it feels like um, that's them. Whereas there's like these underlying mem- like cast characters or like parts that I'm just like, I, I don't have as um, immediate they're not as verbal. They're not, they just operate differently. Um, but yeah. one thing that I think IFS like was like one feeling that I got from IFS that I really value is that um, feeling of trust built up between my parts. So it's almost like if someone were not familiar with IFS, I'd describe it as like building up familiarity with your modes of existence. So the ways that you show up in your life. Um, in different contexts, in different uh, emotional states, and just like feeling that you are one, like able to recognize how you show up in those moments um, and know what you need, and also feel that you can like trust yourself to be able to like, like give yourself what you need in those moments. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Could you go, that, that's, that's been my experience and it's been really key. At the same time, I feel like if I were to tell myself that three years ago, I would have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> what's, what's kind of the, uh, yeah, like what, what's, what, what are kind of those modes of being for you that show up in IFS? Mm, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's there, there's like so many, like I said, there's like the regulars, right? Um, I have one mode of being that, or like one part, um, the first part that really came to me was very much like insecurity, um, which is so cool because I feel like that part has grown so much. (laughs) I'm just like so proud. Um, But like, (laughs) yeah, just like um, how I appear when I am feeling like insecure. Um, and the somatic part of it that I think also showed up right away, but I didn't even like have words to put to it until I read some FS was, um, this feeling of like self touch in that, like, I would almost, um, imagine myself either holding this part, like a cat or something, or like holding their hands. And like, that felt really comforting and just like, the feel it's like it's very much like a self-love exercise um but yeah that was one one mode of being there's another that comes up a lot which is when i'm feeling like kind of reckless or like just wanting to maybe like feeling kind of nihilist just wanting to like say you know screw it all um burn it down that one, that one yeah that one. <laughs> yeah that part's fun i have a That's fun cool. time but like um yeah, we're on good terms. There's like a lot of, you know, just like building good relationships with yourself. 100%. Yeah, I think for me, a few recurring uh, part patterns I have, I sometimes call them constellations because it's, oh, it's, it's cool. usually, for me, it's, yeah, it's, it's not often just one part, but kind of the um, the stuff that comes as a result of it. Hmm. And uh, so, constellations. So it's like that's a much nicer way to put it in no bad parts. They call them like cloves, like garlic cloves. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? That's kind of <laughs> yeah. ugly. 
It's <laughs> just <Yeah>. weird. <laughs> I like constellations. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of use constellations in two different ways, but at least in this way, um, the parts, it's like, like I have, I have like a carb part, but what I mean by that is like, like I, I for for year I would like w- like I would walk by I'll walk by a cookie store. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's one um, my favorite one of my favorite cookie stores in San Francisco is Hot Cookie in DeCastro, and I'll okay. walk by it and I'll smell the smell of like a really nice cookie and I'm like I should go in there and get a <laughs> cookie and it's like and it's like it's like out of comfort or out of some kind of scarcity thing and the story oh, yeah. I tell myself is that like when I was a kid when I was like in like fourth through seventh grade i would like buy those pillsbury take home take and take and bake cookies and make them for my brother and i and you know it was really good yeah (laughs) i i absolutely have a similar part like a very much like a her name's like rubber but like very like greedy there's like a very specific yeah there's a very specific feeling like in my body it's like kind of like a tight string yeah um and it's like i I need it you know (laughs) and she has like huge arms so like like i said the first thing i did with ipad was like i like drew i like doodled out a bunch of my parts and oh my god one part that was extremely wild to me um was that when i drew out my parts i realized that the same characters because i've been journaling for years and years and i've been like drawing they show up over and over throughout my journal entries over the years. And so it's wow. like, yeah, I was like, <laughs> like, what is this? And this is before you really got into IFS as a practice. Um, the way they showed up in my journals. Yeah, that was way before I knew about IFS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but and they, were, and they were still recurring. So like they're yeah, the same yeah, recurring yeah. like symbols mm-hmm. or characters. Yeah, That's exactly. Cool. That's really yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, because I think for me, it's, uh, they often, a lot of times it's situational, so it kind of arises and then tends to go away, but it's a, it's both situational and recurring, like recurring cast kind of thing. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that um, journaling, IFS, and existential kink, like those three have felt like a really powerful combination um for like personal yeah what does what does existential kink or ek mean to you that's i think the thing that it seems it seems like you're not most recently but more recently than ifs kind of gotten into right yeah maybe they were i mean i i had a bit of a peak in like june which is like you know, it's only like six months ago, but I feel like there's been such right. changes since then. It's so wild. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I read the book. The book is a little bit goofy, definitely. Like, the cover is like a little bit dramatic, Twilight ish looking cover. Like, some people are Oof, turned off. Yeah, yeah. Some people are turned off by it. Um, I'm like, you know, that's a shame because it's a really powerful idea. Um, it's it's shadow work. It's very much like um, the idea of the things that you really dislike about yourself or the things that you um, really struggle with 
trying to turn that idea on its head. So let's say you struggle with, um, well, for me, I was like, I, I'm like extremely introverted. And so I struggled a lot with like social anxiety. And so, and I didn't like it. Like it was like, I, I, I you would, <laughs> if you ask me, do you like being anxious sometimes? Like before you go to a party, I was like, no, I don't like it. Um, so existential kink is like taking something that you struggle with and flipping it on its head and being like, what if you were kinky or like into this somehow in like a masochistic way and so you are enjoying inflicting this kind of like pain on yourself and so if you imagine it like that then the way you would say it to yourself in your head is like oh god like oh no I, I I'm feeling anxious again like oh I hate it but like it's like sarcastic now like and by doing this you're removing the seriousness of it um, yeah. I think the way that I describe it is like if before your eyes were like glued to a TV screen of you're watching a horror show and you're like, oh, my God, like this is so scary. This is horrifying. Um, as essential kink, what it allows you to do is like you can like eat some popcorn or you can like get up and go to the yeah. Like it just like removes that like immediacy. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's in a way like some people laugh at horror movies or find them funny. And it's kind of a similar kind of thing. Um, yeah. For me, it, yeah. it it makes things kind of, it's, uh, yeah, in, in some ways I'm sarcastic. It, it, in, in general, it just like makes everything goofy because I think mm-hmm. the, the thing with um, the parts that you don't like about yourself, like are, are typical, you know, in, in, in terms of the shadow and shadow is used in a few different ways, but in, in this sense, it's kind of the simplistic shadow, like the thing that we don't like about ourselves. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's often oh, I'm procrastinating again. Or it's like, oh, like I skipped a mm-hmm. workout or like, Oh, why, why did you know what I mean? And and it's helpful to and it's easy to kind of go from that into a downward spiral of beating yourself up and being angry and resisting and having all the reactionary parts from that. But I feel like yeah. EK, or at least like a shadow work approach that is is kind of similar to this, because typically with IFS it's like oh you know it's okay it's like you're gentle you're nice you're kind of soothing it's very caring mm-hmm. and nurturing a little serious it's very like kind of somber in some ways. Uh, yeah. even if it is loving but with existential yeah. kink you're like you fucking like that didn't you like you I bet you, you know, <laughs> yeah. something about you that kind exactly. of like enjoyed this it's like hmm, what am I getting away with by doing this like, <laughs> you kind of like not doing yeah, that right yeah yeah yeah. Like, yeah yeah I get to play games you know it's kind of fun not working out I like being a lazy slob yeah it's nice. exactly it, it makes like, you admit the thing about yourself that like you don't like admitting and then it, it makes it easy to just mm-hmm. uncover takes away all the reification and pain and just makes it light. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like going back to my early example, I realized that like, so I, I moved around a lot as a kid. I was like kind of proud of being the new girl and like being like, okay with either be like, if I got like ostracized or like, if I didn't, if I like made it back, you know, like all of that was like a common theme. And I think I like actually liked it. Like I never wanted to be, in you know like i liked being like the outsider <laughs> and so it, i, I think it, that, like it, made me so, realize like, that problems? um or is it something I, that at some point you were like oh i wish i wasn't or you know kind of like that story 
I think I, I think I, the reason why I was like, this is a good area for me to try the existential kink stuff on is because it felt like the amount of like anxiety spikes were like way higher because I've like traveled solo across the world. Like I've shown up in a campground in like South Africa, you know, I, I like made friends. So like, I obviously have the cool. ability to like be this new person and like make friends and socialize. But for some reason it was just like such a fear and like anxiety, like it gripped my body. And I was like, what is going on right. here? And like, I think I liked the roller coaster. <laughs> like, I think I liked the like, right. I'm not gonna make it and I make it and it's like, oh, and like, that's like the kinky part, right? Like that's like the- <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's interesting yeah 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 because it's it's like it's like there's a part of you like the like initial state it's like oh i'm going to this thing you're really anxious and nervous then there's another party then you realize there's a part of you that's just like wait but i like doing this like i like you know yeah yeah having both coexist allows it to kind of melt and and you can still have and it's almost like and the interesting thing is it's not going away it's almost like it doesn't necessarily you you learn to enjoy it Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's really it, a non-dual in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it kind of so IFS is interesting. One one concept I really like from IFS is the idea of dimming things, and I do think existential kink does that a little bit. Where like you're just when when you're blended with a part, it's impossible to turn it off. You can't just like stop feeling that way. But what you can do is ask the part to dim it, like dim the reactions that it's having. And so um, it feels like with existential kink, you just are able to make a little bit of distance between yourself and whatever is happening. And that's all you need really to feel like, oh, like I'm, I'm fine now. So. Yeah. Yeah. I find that like it's, it's that first break in distance from a thing because when someone mm-hmm. when you're when you when else is just like merged inside of like a um of a feeling or of a part or blended or whatever you want to call it it's just like it's like it's like you're fused with the mind you're fused with like that emotional state you don't even realize that's the frame you're coming from and yeah. there's not much you can really do about it you kind of just have to wait until it passes and um i find that uh a lot of techniques either explicitly or not try to get you out of that like cbt tries mm-hmm. to get you yeah like get out of that while you're in it it's like oh this is you know and you're kind of leaning on someone you trust in someone who has this kind of like authority to tell you what's distorted or not uh and with ifs it's about feeling into this self-energy which can be hard to do you know it's, it's not an easy thing and it can be a little complicated but um at the same time yeah. it's also really simple so it's interesting it's so wild like you're asking me about like IFS estrogen kink and like I, I do feel like I had like a curve with IFS like and I'm still I'm still like ongoing with IFS but there was like a, a definite peak um, mm. and now I feel like I am still very much I still do like parts work and you know but it's just like I feel like I've come to the end of one cycle um for at least for now and what i've gotten out of it is this feeling of like being held by myself and like understanding myself like much more clearly um i definitely think in the past i did a lot of journaling but i felt like i was like 
people would be like, oh, you're so confident, like you're so mysterious. And I'd be like, well, like, I don't really get myself either. And now I'm like, oh, no, I totally do. Like, I I actually have mapped it out. Like, I, I mapped out all of these parts that I've met so far. And like, it's just way more clear. Um, and it's really satisfying because not only have I mapped out these parts, I feel that I have like a bond. So like I like two parts of myself. And so I not only can like, I'm familiar with them. And when any of them are like, feeling something like there's like a trigger and they like pull on that like bus cord I I can reach out immediately like myself is more present and I can be like oh like let me like hold your hand for a little bit because you're feeling a little bit like like you need more attention um and so in that way it just feels like I I am like my like self-love is stronger through all these little fibers um that I never would have thought to do that through, I don't know. I just like the framework wasn't available for me to like do that before. Um, Like journaling is an act, but it's not necessarily a process. Like it doesn't have this. The the network, the, yeah, exactly. Like the, the webbing of it is like really made sense to me. And I was like, Oh, that was like the key. Like I like grabbed it. I was like, okay, now, now I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, in some ways, it's like it's what makes IFS hard to enter and also so helpful. It's its ontology. And by ontology, mm-hmm. I mean like the way it looks at the world and the way it believes the mind is structured, or, or at least like the way you can imagine the mind is structured and yeah. work with it in a certain mm-hmm. sense. Journaling is less, it's not very prescriptive, um, which is the benefit of it, right? Anyone can do it. You can just start writing. Yeah. With IFS, there's kind of like a way to do it and a way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you take on that view, that's what actually gets you the juice. Yeah, I think. Definitely, like, the continuity of a part. Like, with journaling, you can, like, go and go and go. But, like, um, first of all, you don't actually connect one moment from one in your past. And also, um, you don't go into these, like, layers. Like, there is, like, a process of, oh, like, you're feeling this way. How do you feel towards the way that you're feeling like kind of removing all the protectors and then getting to like the core, like it's pretty much just a way to get to the core of it, which can be hard if you're just journaling and you aren't like digging deep enough or you're getting like blind, you know, you're getting like swept away by the protector parts. So. um. For sure. Yeah. And a couple of things that stand out to me, do you feel like parts should always be there because i think that's something that some people yeah so i I remember tim (laughs) made a thread on you know a part wants to be integrated which means it's gonna it feels like it's actually gonna die you know and some people Mm -hmm. actually do they say integrated it kind of they kind of mean the part goes away and you just have self other people take on the role that they take on the view that self like each part should kind of a different role within the whole ecosystem um or like you know it's like the same motivation but it changes and other people just kind of leave the parts as they are but just have more friendly relationship with them what's your take yeah yeah um so when you read like the ifs books what happens is when you un- they're like unburdened parts like that is a thing um and typically after you unburden a part it's much happier and is able to take on things that it wants to do that it wasn't doing before because it was busy being in pain or protecting the one who's in pain, like all of these things. Um, so there is that concept. Um, I re- 
and I've heard a lot of opinions about like being only in self and like having fully integrated all the parts and it's just one it's just one you know especially like medit from like different people on Twitter I've heard like oh that's actually how it is for them I don't think I'm there yet I'm <laughs> I really enjoy having unburdened parts like I love being on my own because it's like a great time to hang out with myself and all my parts <laughs> and like it's because I've like worked with a lot of them to um yeah it's like unburdened it just feels like it feels like nice I don't know I don't think for, for sure. me it doesn't feel like uh one block it feels maybe more like an orchestra or like a symphony like there's a lot but they totally. all like work together it's like a harmonized symphony yeah. symphony so and even from a meditative point of view I think there is the there's a tip there is a view in meditation that like everything becomes one or it's all oneness and whatever and I, I think that's interesting and cool and in a sense also a bit um not necessarily naive but not necessarily maybe not fully developed and what um, i mean by that is i i it, it's good to have kind of that sense of oneness while also having a sense of divisiveness come like at the same time um and i think that's a, that's a way to represent one ideal of ifs it's like you have self and you have this orchestra and it's everything's harmonized and you have a good harmony yeah. but it's still separate you know uh, yeah it's that's versus, definitely think, how like, it feels to me yeah exactly versus like a prior state and and and, it, and part of part of where we're coming from is like it's it's good to enjoy every part of the journey like like, like we said right mm -hmm. maybe at some point it might change for you but it's mm -hmm. really nice to be able to enjoy where it's at and really kind of sit with that well right now and even before and even, i think the the point of ek and ifs all this stuff is even when you have moments of like fighting and dissonance and polarization where you have a part that's hated by another part and hated by another part and all these layers yeah. and all that, you know being able to like you can even enjoy that in a, even a little bit like one percent and then once you actually kind of work with it and soft soften it and melt it you can enjoy it like seven percent or i don't know 23 percent mm -hmm. and it gets a little easier to work with and it becomes this more kind of self-trusting ecosystem type thing exactly exactly yeah it, it feels very much i would say that my current inner state feels very much like a orchestra or symphony that learned to harmonize and it's just like oh like like all the parts are there but it's like really nice and it, they haven't yet gone to a part where gotten to a point where they're all playing like the same note and suddenly it feels like one mm -hmm. note you know but it's like they're in harmony and it feels like all the they've all like clicked into place it's, it's like a good Good for place sure. to be. <laughs> do you find that this is, and you mentioned that you're, you're this, this phase is over and what was kind of the, the beginning? Like, is it over because you've had that sense of harmony? Is that what feels, is that the kind of finality to it in some sense? It's over in the sense that there is a period where I was just encountering parts left and right. Like they were just like, whoa, oh my God, here's another one. Here's another one um and now they haven't in a while or like even the ones that have don't feel like main characters like they feel like less less like formed so i feel like my next phase is probably getting to that like deeper layer and getting to know maybe like less variable parts um mm -hmm. yeah i do think that the initial phase it feels very like 
I've gotten what I feel like is a kernel of like self-love, inner harmony, like self-trust. The way I talk to myself when I see myself in the mirror or like when I fail is like much nicer than it was before. Like that I don't know, it just feels like oh, I made like yeah. a tangible amount of something. It does feel like there's some kind of ending of a wave. <laughs> so Right. Yeah. Yeah. And does it does it feel so in a sense it's it's the end of a wave but not necessarily the end of the whole process. No, no. I mean the concept, there's no end to a concept, right? I don't think that like right. I think it what's been so like transformative for the way I think about myself that I'm just like, oh, like this is it's so catchy. I don't know. I feel like even if you like bring it up to someone and you're like, oh, like, so the mind is multiple and like, if they just like let right. that like <laughs> form in their heads, like it's already taken shape. Um, so I don't think that I'm going to like, maybe I'll just move on. I feel like it, it is possible to achieve some sort of in some state where you're fully happy and like you no longer have to work on yourself but i don't i don't know if i i'm sure i will yeah, have it, more obstacles in my future <laughs> like totally. so. yeah my my, my <laughs> I, I, how i view that it's like it's kind of like a it's a it's an equilibrium or it's like a meta state where it's like mm-hmm. you know there'll always be always be waves sometimes really yeah. big waves sometimes mm-hmm. really intense storms and you're kind of floating along the wave uh, mm-hmm. but ifs kind of gives you like a bigger boat <laughs> or it makes it like, yeah. a, like a kind of a, like a more sturdy ship which doesn't mean that the ship's not gonna rock um it, it ho- hopefully just means that you're able to like work with stuff and you know kind of mm-hmm. restabilize be a little bit faster a little bit gentler a little bit easier yeah definitely i think like i'm also able to access um different emotions more more than i used to like there's like doors that have been open where i'm just like whoa i have never gone there inside like to that degree of emotion or something and like now it's like opened and i'm just like like, it does feel like oh now i have more like i've like passed the first wave now let's see what happens next um yeah do you you think that um so this is kind of a, a bit of a change, but uh, there's also when 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 you tell someone the mind is multiple or made mm-hmm. of different parts, um, one thing I've seen go viral on Twitter is uh, DID, like dissociative identity disorder, which I think previously mm-hmm. was called multiple personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on the differences between the two? Um, yeah. One is typically thought of as maladaptive, or I mean. In, in kind of a, in a more stigmatized way, it's like, oh, that's crazy. Like, that's a crazy person or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Um, I think we can see that it's just kind of a thing that can happen. But yeah, how do you view that as different than IFS or similar? Yeah, totally. I think like if, if anyone starts being like, I have like, if you're like, oh, I have all these voices in my head, then um, people start to think you're crazy, right? Um, I think it's a spectrum. And I think that's how Richard Schwartz talks about it too, is that he actually views that as like extreme cases of IFS. And that like, if you think about it, we all talk about inner conflict, like the whole angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other is like a common 
like trope. Um, and we don't think that they're crazy. It's just like a visualization of inner conflict. And like, we are capable of all kinds of emotions. And like, I don't think that, um, I, I, yeah, for me, in my mind, it's very much like a spectrum of how far it can go. So, mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. Yeah, I feel like that's that probably deserves its own like whole topic and conversation. I think uh, <laughs> once you get into, I feel like this is kind of like once you get into this, once you open up IFS, um, for better or worse, it kind of opens up a lot of questions around like multiple mm -hmm. personalities and like, I think, yeah. I like tulpas and also kind mm -hmm. of like entities and angels and demons, like all this really interesting stuff that seems like yeah. crazy out there, but could be modeled within an IFS frame. And, you know, are they inside or outside? All this stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're at a pretty good stopping point. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll you know, any, any closing <laughs> thoughts? Anything else you got in mind? Um, no, I really enjoyed this. I think it's like really cool to get to talk to people. Um, like, you know, you were a big part of me getting on Twitter and it feels like everyone's having these conversations and it's cool to be able to like talk about it and share it and go like a little deeper into it. So yeah, thanks for having me. It was good to chat. <laughs> thanks for joining. Good uh, podcast one. Good experiment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll do, cool. we'll do another one when I'm better, because this is probably the worst. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... Nice.